All right, my guest today on the A-Game podcast is one of my favorite people, Raging Al Ayakinta. He is back for his second interview here. He's got a lot of stuff going on since our last interview. We talk all about what's been going on in real estate. He's fresh off of his return from the Republic of Georgia with Al Jermaine Funkmaster Sterling and Marab Dwalishvili. So we talk a lot about that. It's really cool. If you guys haven't seen it, go check out his Instagram and look at all the stuff that they were posting. It's absolutely amazing. So I love hearing about his ventures there. He really... Uh, he says yes to things that are going to give him good experiences. And I think it's going to take him far in life. So we talk about that. We talk about taking chances. We talk about mindset. We talk about what's been going on inside and outside of the cage. And he shares some really good advice on real estate. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a fight fan, you're more of a real estate fan, you get a little bit of everything in this one because we definitely dig deep into Al. His new podcast is on the Hapsats, Call Me Al Show. Check it out in the show notes. You'll see all the ways to connect with it, to watch it on Haps, watch it on YouTube, get it everywhere you get your podcast. It's really an awesome podcast and it's got a very original take. If you're able to get on the Haps app live, I believe it's every Thursday, you can actually interact with him and interact with the host and, and ask the guest questions and stuff. And it really is a cool experience. He brings on haters and he gets in arguments with them and then he brings on fans and it's cool. I think it's one of the most unique podcast experiences out there right now. It's exciting. You never know what the guests are going to say. You never know what the listeners are going to call and say, and you definitely don't know if you're going to get raging out, if you're going to get emotionally intelligent out, uh, what kind of days that what kind of training he's been through or what's been going on with uh, him potentially having to kick out one of his Airbnb tenants. So he talks about investing in competitive markets, getting some good cash out of your properties, things you need to look for in your market to know if it's a good time to buy and hold or it's got enough anchors around keeping there. He talks a little bit about Airbnb, talks about some of the new things he's doing as far as commentating and, and some of the unique perspectives he brings and why he's doing some of that stuff. So always an adventure, always exciting. Again, one of my favorite people inside and out of the cage. Definitely check him out because uh, since this podcast was recorded, he uh, booked a fight at Madison Square Garden, UFC 268 against Bobby Green. He will be returning to the Mecca in New York on his home turf, taking on Bobby Green and the return of Raging Ally Kinta on an absolutely outstanding card. I will definitely be there, and I'm sure tons of the people from uh, Saralongo crew, New York natives, and the uh, Wanto crew always representing Fan favorite, fighter favorite, Ally Quinta coming on. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode and he gets a big win and a good showing and uh, gets a nice big payday on that. We can all go out and celebrate. So looking forward to seeing Rage Nails return to the cage and very excited to hear about his ventures and the way he's branching out and building his portfolio in real estate. As always, this episode is brought to you in part by Nationwide Business Capital Group. If you need money for your real estate deals, go to nicknicknick.com slash links. Click on affiliates and you will be able to directly email Marianne. She will take care of you. Just tell her that the A-Game podcast sent you over. Whether you're new, experienced, you have good credit, bad credit, money, no money for residential, commercial, HELOCs, fix and flips, buy and hold, bridge loans, whatever it is, Nationwide Business Capital Group and Marianne specifically will find the best rates and terms and the best ways to get you into a deal. And now if you're approved for a loan and you're looking for deals, come find me as well, nicknicknick.com slash links. If you're looking to buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or want to partner up on some real estate ventures all across the nation, definitely reach out to me through nicknicknick.com slash links. You'll find all the ways to connect with me on social media, as well as all the ways to listen to the A-Game podcast, Real Estate Investor for Entrepreneurs on every single platform. So please share, please subscribe, and definitely listen and subscribe and support the Call Me Out show. It's Call Me Out. It's in the show notes. Check the show notes for all the ways to follow me. Follow Region Al and follow his new podcast and check it out. You guys will not be disappointed. 
Uh, special thanks to Naked Warrior Recovery CBD under the affiliates link. Put in promo code AGAME to get 20% off. And most importantly, let's get you into some real estate. So reach out to me if you would like me to be a guest in your podcast or you have great ideas for guests for mine. You can also email me podcast at nicknick.com. And do not forget to get your free checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers. If you are a real estate wholesaler, real estate agent, or broker, go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for your free checklist on all the ways to bring more value to your buyers today. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast, once again, the return, real estate black belt, UFC lightweight title contender, ultimate final fight, ultimate fighter live finalist, fighters fighter, man of the year, host of the Call Me Al podcast, raging Al Iaquinta. Welcome back to the A-Game Podcast, sir. Oh, yeah. I just got a call coming in while, we, while you're doing that incredible. <laughs> man. So I, that was, I don't know how you do, you're, you're so, and I don't know about real estate black belt. I think you're the real estate black belt. Um, Relative I'm, term. Like a, I'm like a blue belt. I'm like, I'm like, a, I'm definitely, definitely uh, on my journey, but I'm starting out. I'm trying to learn from the black belts and, and uh, yeah, but Not thank you. That, that was incredible. Thanks dude. So you, uh, you, we were just talking about some of uh, some real estate stuff that I want to jump into, but one of the first things I definitely wanted to say is congratulations because I was listening to our our other other interview, which was from like 2019. And since then, you moved into your new house, which is awesome. And I remember you were talking in the last one about how, you know, we, we were kind of dancing around, but basically it was like, hey, you got to create the life you want. And the life that I want is to be able to like hang out on the water and do things all day. So, you know, I have to work at certain times, but then, you know, if I want to train and then hit the beach or then make calls or whatever, and I feel like maybe not necessarily the beach, but I see video after video of you like in the yard, shooting ducks, taking like the canoe out. And you've created what I feel like was the the visual, the visual that you put out there of the life you wanted to create. I feel like you've been living now based on what you post and all the new stuff you've done, man. So congratulations on that. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's, uh, oh, it's, it's cool for you to say that. And I'm definitely, definitely enjoying it for sure. I've put in a lot of hard work and I've always wanted to live on the water. I always saw like living on the water is, just like uh, where I wanted to end up and um, through hard work. Yeah. I just, I, I looked at a, a million houses on the water and uh, <laughs> I found one that I really liked. So bought it and here I am. And it's, mm. uh, I've been training people. I always, always training people. So it had the garage that I needed to, I turned it into a full, full gym. And then it's got this deck in the back that in the summer when it's nice out, we go back there and, and hit pads. And it's like, you know, get a great workout. You're in the sun, fresh air. You can't beat it. 
Dude, you even got like, uh, I remember before everybody started moving away, like you had that crew in the yard where it was like you you training guys and then it was like you and Wyman and Aljo and Marab and Dennis and all these guys out there like hitting pads and working out and stuff and then jumping in the water. Like it really, it, it was like the place to be, Al's house, Al's garage, Al's deck, you know? Yeah, would, that was during COVID. That was like, uh, that was what a crazy time. It was, it was, uh, Aljo had that fight coming up. Um Sanhagen? Yeah, it was a Sanhagen fight. That was during COVID. That was like in the midst of that was in the I was in the thick of it. And uh the gyms were closed. Ray and Matt were kind of like locked away with their families. They you know they were um not not able to be around and we just came here. We worked out in the garage pretty much every day and I had just moved in was it October or November, November. So November, December, January, February, that was like three months in. And my neighbors must've been like, what the (laughs) is going on? There's like 10 guys beating the crap out of each other in the backyard in in America town where I I don't, I feel like that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. But uh, it actually, now all my neighbors are big fans of, of, the team um they were like what you know they over over time they kind of like peek into my garage as they drive by and i'm always like waving like hey you know making sure it's they you know they feel open to talk and hang out and stuff so they come over and i've been training training a few of them but um yeah they they, uh the whole the whole little block here is fans of of al joe and marab and chris and myself so it's it's been cool Dude, who, who wouldn't want to live next to a crew like that? I mean, if you're if you have a family, what's safer place to live than next to like the Sarah Longo like satellite gym, you know? All right. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely uh definitely safe around here. Nobody needs to lock their doors. Yeah. <laughs> nice, dude. So um social media is something that we talked about last time, and I've seen you kind of on and off of it, and you've changed a little bit on it, but one of the awesome things I think about it was the trip you just took to Georgia. That was what made me kind of reach out and be like, dude, we got to talk again because I was like addicted to checking you and Aljo and Marab's feeds because the stuff that was going on, like every day I'd wake up and just pictures you guys like horseback riding and then going and partying. And even just that initial thing when you showed up at the airport and everybody was mobbed around and I was like, that's exactly what should be happening everywhere. Like, I feel like that's the attention that all of you guys should be getting. And it was really cool to see that. And I know like, I've heard before from everybody how, like, dude, you don't understand when when Marab goes back to Georgia, he's like a celebrity in the streets and stuff. And he's so quiet and nice and humble here. And to see him get that reaction and be so excited to like share that with you guys, I just thought the whole experience was amazing. And I love that you were able, all of you guys, to document that whole thing over the course of a couple of weeks. And I, I listened to your podcast yesterday and of course, like, all the stuff I was going to ask you about Georgia and the ultimate fighter freaking Kiesa stole from me. So fuck him. But, you know, but yeah, man, talk a little bit about the experience. It was incredible. Marab, like you said, the guy's the best guy. And when he said, I'm going to go back to my, my country of Georgia, my village and see my, my people and hang out. Do you guys want to come? I said, absolutely. It was, you know, me, him, Aljo, uh, and we did, we were doing something from morning till night. It was just, we woke up, we trained, we traveled to one of the gyms. We did a seminar and Marab really, he took his time so much with that seminar and made sure that everybody got something out of it. 
got a lot out of it. And afterwards, he he gave he he really talked to the people, um, you know, in his in his language of Georgian, and uh, you could tell just the I couldn't understand what he was saying. He translated a little bit of what he was set where he was going with the conversation, but just so motivational. He really, he really knows that those people um, look up to him and see him as they like, hold him up so high. Georgia, there's, there's, uh, I don't think there's, there's much as far as like, there's no football, basketball, no professional sports like that. So they look to this, they look to Marab. He's like their, he's like their, uh, you know, LeBron James, and and he should be. I mean, this is a guy that like came to the United States with nothing and turned himself into uh he's top 10 ranked guy in the ufc his goal was just to make it through the ufc and through nothing else than hard work he did it and he achieved what he wanted he bought he bought a house he's looking for a second house now he's definitely uh you know he's definitely just made the american dream really it is if if everyone that came to this country was like Marab. It, it would be, it would be some, such a better place because he came, comes here, appreciates everything, and really just works hard and and realizes what opportunities are here for him. No, I love him, man. I remember when he was coming down with that other dude that I guess Chuck Ford used to wear like all the Charlie Brown sweatshirts to like Tuesday Night Nogi, and they would come yeah. down. I remember like Longo was like I. I think he wants to fight, but I don't really know because I, we can't really understand what he's saying. Like, it, it was like when he first came down, it was to that point. And I remember even, I think we went to go see him fight at the ring of combat. And he woke up to Matt and he was just looking at him. And he was like, jujitsu, jujitsu. Like he, his words were like so little. And to see where he's come now. And like you say, you know, I heard you guys talk about it, but just keeping your head down, doing the hard work, not making the excuses. And I, I think that attitude, like I heard him say, he's a recent interview. He was talking about something. He called out somebody and he was like, like, what's, what's the worst that'll happen if I fight this guy, I'll lose? He's like, I'm not scared to lose. I've lost before. And I feel like that attitude goes a long way of, like, not only being able to to go and say, like, I'm going to take the shot, but really you can tell, like, when he says shit, he means it. He's not scared to go in there. He's not scared of the consequences. It, it's worth the risk. And I feel like that attitude is something that you don't see a lot anymore. People get in their head. They make excuses. They care what other people think. And guys like you and him just don't seem to give a shit. And I think that that really will take you far in life. No, it's, it's, I mean, he enjoys, he just enjoys being in there. He enjoys fighting. He enjoys like, that's his, those from, uh, from where he comes from and those, he's just, he's, they're fighting people that strong people, tough people They they do, they like to have fun, but you know, they're nice outside of the, you know, outside of business, they're all, it's all, you know, they treat guests like, the guy they say the guests are from the gods they treat guests like and and i feel like when marab comes here he treats everybody like they're a guest and he just he he'll carry your bag if if i was if i'm fighting marab grabs my bag he doesn't let me hold i'm like fighting him for it i'm like marab it's okay i can grab my own bag he goes no no." (laughs) and then when he's fighting I try to take his bag because, you know, it's like, Rob, you're fighting. Let me, he goes, no, and he won't let you go. That's just the kind of person he is. He's always trying to make everybody around him more comfortable and, and, and just like, 
no, I just want to be more like them. I mean, if if there's one, if there's one iPhone charger, and both of our phones are dying, Rob's giving it to he's giving it. You know, that's like you know he doesn't care. It, it, it's that's just uh, that's just how it is, man. He's he's awesome. Nice. What, what were some of the things you learned from? Um, I assume you know. I know you've been to a lot of different places. Was was that the most different as far as places you've gone around the world as far as just like people and cultures that you've been so far no for sure his his village was very uh unique and tight-knit everybody knew everybody they they heard marab was in town and they all oh, marab's here and everybody came out everybody was they were riding their horses into the, <laughs> in the center of the village and to uh to the river everybody there was cattle walking around and and hogs and uh, all kinds of wildlife and it was uh i asked one of the guys i was like whose horse is that and he goes i don't know but you know they know who's it's tagged they know whose it is it just you know it's not gonna bother anybody it just kind of wanders around the village they just kind of it's uh yeah it's a way way that a lot of farmland uh, his uncle makes homemade wine which is it's and he he does it the old school way which is a technique that um i guess it takes a very long time and it they they put the barrels the barrels are underground they had to dig dig up uh they they dig it up when when it's time when it's fermented and and then they use their ladle and pour they poured us it's on it's on my instagram uh one of the one of the stories but uh it was such good wine you could tell it was just they put so much time and effort and passion into it that it was something he'd been doing for centuries and or, or they, they've been doing but it uh, the technique whatever they use whatever they use the grapes the whatever that was some good wine man that was really really good stuff was it almost like the uh the italian wine where like when i was drinking wine and eating pasta in italy all day i kept waiting for myself to get like a hangover or that like allergic reaction from the sofa it's like that pasta hangover and I didn't get it because everything was like so natural. Was that a little bit of what it was like there? Did you feel like it didn't really give you this, the same type of like drain or zap that the the food and the alcohol gives you down here, over here? Yeah, I really got full. I got full <laughs> and I kept eating because they kept bringing it. And I got drunk and I kept drinking because they wouldn't, a glass gets <laughs> empty, someone's pouring it. So, uh, that. but yeah, you can tell that the food is so much cleaner. Really just everything. It's so much so much different you know it's they, they take their time there there are people that they they like to take time here we eat real quick we're going to 7-eleven we're shoving food in our face and then because we got to go to this we got to go to that there they sit down and they all cheers they all talk they all uh really express their feelings and and their uh appreciation for one another and it you know it it's uh it's pretty cool, but it's totally different. The food there is really good, really good, really clean. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, what did you, what a, a once in a lifetime opportunity. There's no one in the world that could have done it. Like that trip is, is it's, like to go with Aljamain Sterling and, and Marab to Marab's hometown to his village and, uh, you know, see, just have him show show us around was priceless it was it was incredible
Well, I love that. I, I, that. I think that kind of sums up a lot of the stuff that you do, though, is you look at the, you know, would I ever get a chance like this again or the uniqueness of the experience? And you, you jump on it where I feel like a lot of other people, well, you know, it's COVID and can I go and can I this and can I that? It's like, no, this is a one shot deal and I'm going to take advantage of it. And, you know, I like that attitude because you were kind of the same way when we went to uh, to Hawaii. You know, I was like, what do you want to do? You're like, anything. I don't care. He's like, you want to do something? You want to skydive? You want this? You want that? Like, I'll do it. I'm just down for the experience. And again, I, I think that that, again, probably sums up a lot of the stuff you're doing as far as People think like fighting's crazy and real estate's crazy and all this stuff you do is crazy. But, you know, you're a guy who's going to look back at all these things one day on the rocking chair and it's going to be people who didn't take those chances and didn't go after those things. They're going to wish they took those trips with Marab and stuff. You know, how, how much does the, the thought of worrying about regretting not doing something play into your decisions? Ah, uh, you know, I it's not I don't think that it's. I never really think about the regret of not like, Oh, am I going to regret not doing this? Um, it's just the, I kind of like, just, I just flow through this thing. Life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is an opportunity that, and you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I love doing that. Like doing things where I don't know to ex what to expect. I don't like asking questions. If I'm going, you know, if I'm going with, to a real estate seminar with you in Hawaii, if I'm going with Marab, if I'm going overseas to, and I probably should ask more questions because I get, my, <laughs> get myself in trouble. Sometimes I bring the wrong, I bring the wrong, uh, the wrong, the wrong uh, wardrobe. I'll bring, I, when I, we went to, uh, when we, when I fought in, in Australia, I was like, oh, Australia, it's October. It's going to be nice. And in Melbourne, it was freezing cold. I brought like one pair of pants and one, <laughs> one sweatshirt and I was freaking freezing the whole time but um yeah no I just I don't know I you figure it out as you go you I kind of like get myself into situations and then figure it out that's what I like to do I feel like it's going to be the title for your book one day that's it that's it for sure nice man so if there was a couple of key takeaways as far as just like people culture or things that you wanted to bring back into your life from that trip to Georgia what are a few things you think would be uh, something you're going to start to implement or something you're going to specifically remember? Definitely, definitely kind of more um, appreciating the, the, pro, the just eating, bre breaking bread, more of a, more of a, an appreciation for that. And the people that I'm with, that I'm surrounded with, when when uh when we're doing that or even like training just appreciating more of the people that are around you not just breezing through everything you know run, running in and grabbing some quick food and going you know if you sit down after training you really appreciate you know who you're with um that's something that that they they always do they sit and they they really um you can tell that you're they really appreciate you're there and that they're there and and the reason that everyone came came together whatever the reason is you're there for a reason and uh you know it's, it's more than just eating to fill up and go on to the next thing um so that's that's one thing for sure um and there was so much just i i i kind of like we rode though we rode horses and you know just an appreciation for for that or like what incredible animals they are that you can just hop on a horse and ride it for like hours you know and <laughs> you can kind of 
control where it goes, what it does. And um, that's something that I like to keep doing. I think riding horses, it was, that was pretty fun. That thing took off. That thing opened up and started sprinting. I was, my legs were, Aljo, we woke up the next morning. We were like, why is my groin so sore? Because we were freaking clamped onto that horse, freaking hold it on. That thing was taking off. It was wild. It was the first time I've ever done that. And that's something that I definitely want to keep doing because that those, those, uh, those are some incredible animals. And uh, that was fun. Dude, it almost seemed like a, like a dream. Like I, I remember like I was looking through one of your Instagrams and I almost like wanted to repeat it back. Like, did I see that? Or was that a, like, I had this fucked up dream that like Al Morab and Alger were like horseback riding through the mountains. And it was like, no, 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 that actually happened. Like, it was like, like, wait, did I just see that on, on Instagram? This was kind of funny, but uh, no, man, I, I think that's awesome. I, I appreciated all th the things you guys were sharing on that. I think it looked like an awesome trip. And uh, again, it's, that's one of the things I love about social media is I've always you know, over time, like the last 10, 15 years, I remember when I first started looking into real estate markets and you start to think like, you know, being from like the tri-state area, that anything that's not that is like just fields and like people are, are so different there. And then because I think the internet and social media, you're starting to see that there's like Kansas City and Indianapolis and, you know, Colorado and, and everybody's kind of the same and everybody has their cities and there's all these really cool places to go. And now I feel like that's expanding more across the world. And I think as much as social media separates people, I do think it's going to start to bring people together because like, I wouldn't have even known what to visually expect. Like I, I had a few things in my head of like, well, where's Marab from? What do they do there? What are the people like? And then seeing it was so much better than I expected because like you could just tell from the videos and the pictures, the way the people were, the way that they were so open to you guys, the way that everybody seemed so happy, like at the gym at the at the radio stations like all that kind of stuff and i feel like as far as you goes you know i know you said it a bunch of times too but sarah longo were always saying like water finds its own level it almost looked like a similar environment the way that you were sitting down and enjoying your company and the people you were with and the food there like when you guys take those group shots at eddie's as a team and it's like like this isn't about the pizza it's about the people and the experience you guys are really having a good time there so i think you've managed to kind of like gravitate towards that in life and i, I think that that's Obviously, always a positive thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, race reminds us constantly that water seeks its own level, and it, it, it's it's so. Um, Was that Longo breaking up our podcast? <laughs> we, as we're speaking, he's calling in. Nah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, talking about um, yeah, just surrounding yourself with positive, like-minded people. It was, uh, and we we saw that over there too. We were over there, and we went to the gym, different different gyms, and you know, it's really just everybody had the same goals and the same kind of mentality, but. Uh, just so appreciative to have Marab there. They was, you know, they just, uh, they, they, they were so, you could just see the, 
the look on their face light up when they saw him and when they, not only when they saw him, when they actually interacted with, with him, you could see that they, they weren't let down. Like a lot of people, you know, you, you see, you, you hold someone up so high on a pedestal and you meet them in person and, you know, who knows what, what kind of interaction you have, especially with Marab. Like we were going, we were meeting people for six days straight on no sleep. And like towards the end, I was getting a little cranky. It was like, this guy's, <laughs> they have a thing. They go, they'll go one more picture and then they'll take a picture with you. And then one more, the next guy, he'll go oh, one more picture and then he'll take a picture with you. And it gets, it messes with your head. Cause you're like, Oh, one more. And then that's it. And then everyone says one more, one more, one more, one more. And towards the end, I was getting like a little, it just, you know, it's the way six days of that straight. And Aljo and I were kind of like, we, we, we had to put on an act to keep, you know, like happy and a smile on and keep going, even though we were getting a little worn. Marab wasn't. Marab was just, <laughs> yeah, come on, come on, talking nonstop. I felt like he could have done that forever. And he, he just enjoyed that so much. And the people you could see their response to it was like, wow, Marab, we, we, we thought that Marab was so cool and, and so hardworking and so nice, but now we're meeting him and he's even more, you know? So that, that was, that was huge. It was that, that you can think one thing about Marab, but then once you meet him and you actually, you know, see what he's all about, it's uh, it puts you over, puts you over on him. The guy's, he's just, he's one of a kind. He's got great energy, man. He definitely, you could feel it. It's, it's like Matt, you know, when you're around him, you're just like, this is a good guy, you know? As long as, as long as he likes you. <laughs> Absolutely. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Dude, so you, you bring up an interesting point that I actually never really thought about. As far as fans and taking pictures and stuff, has it ever been something you had to learn how to like accept the compliment or accept that somebody is like a, a fan of yours. I, I've seen you like, I remember the the hotel staff in Hawaii wasn't allowed to take pictures and a couple of the guys came over to you and you were like, dude, like two in the morning, just knock on my door. I don't care what the policies are. Like you, I've always seen you be really good about it, but I know like I had to learn, like I, somebody would come up to me like after like a real estate thing and be like, can I get a picture? I'd be like, dude, yeah, I'm gonna, you don't want a picture with me. And then like my partner would be like, you stole like an experience from that person. Like you can't, like push your stuff off on them. It's like, it's about them and it's about taking the compliments. And if you don't take a compliment the right way, you're going to look like a jerk. And like, not only are like, they're not even going to be your fan. They're not going to like you anymore. And then I started watching other people do it. Like some of my friends that are in bands, I'd see people come up to them in Long Beach at bars and they'd be almost like, you want a picture with me? Like, are you fucking with me? And then the guy'd be like, you know what? Forget it. And I'm, so it, it's almost weird, like taking compliments from people. And you've, you've done it really well. I've seen Aljo do it really well. Obviously like Marab just loves it, but 
is it, I know it can be weird at times. Is it something you've had to kind of learn how to do and how to take? No, no, I think, I, I mean, I, I would, um, at a young age, I would go and try to get autographs. I would get autographs from like hockey players and stuff. And the ones that I, that I liked the most were the ones that were really like open and cool, you know, as a kid, even as a kid, there were some that were, that were kind of like brush you off and walk past. And I didn't realize, but like as a kid, you're gonna do that to a kid? Like that's crazy. Yeah. And then as I grow, as I kind of grew up, and then got into fighting, um, I uh, I just never wanted to be like that person that that would let let you down, you know. And it doesn't happen to me too often to where it's like annoying. I guess, I guess if I was like a super freaking super spend, I was like somebody that. Like who knows? Like Connery, I'm sure it can get overwhelming. Um, but for me, I think, I think the people that anybody that would want to kind of take a picture with me or whatever, I think I I I kind of I think the people that would want to take a picture with me are people that I would like anyway. Like would want to hang out with. They they're like normal. Like you know they they're not just like uh, there's never. I don't think there's many people that kind of talk behind my back like you know you always get online like the people that like talk and then they see you in person and they take a picture i don't think there's too many of that i think the people that that uh that come up to me are like um you know they're like they're like me so it's so and it's not it's uh yeah it's it's anything i could do to make someone's day better if, if uh, i could do it that way if I, that that's what i try to do and even if i'm having if, when i'm having the worst day ever someone comes up to me and asks me for a picture that makes my day better. I, I, it, you know, it, it doesn't, doesn't, it, it's uh it's a compliment. It's flattering really. And it, like I said, it doesn't happen too much to where it's like overwhelming, but if it happens, it's cool. It was, it was in, in Georgia, it was insane. Marab, like Justin Bieber, freaking Conor McGregor over there. They, they come, they even get word that he might be somewhere. There was, they, he, he was, uh, we were training at the gym and, you know, he put out that we were going to be training at the gym and then people waited like two hours for, for him to, uh, to leave the gym. We, we got there late and then we ended up leaving super late and there was still just a mob of people waiting there to see Rob and, uh, and it was, yeah, that's how, that's how much they respect that guy. That's awesome, man. I do feel like fighters in general, overall, over the years of meeting, they're just they're more approachable. They're better with fans. They they're they're they've known to be good like that. I've heard that across the board. And I actually I stayed at a hotel in downtown Chicago. We met a couple of the the Chicago Bears, and I was trying to get autographs for my nieces. And a couple of the guys, are like, I didn't know any of them were, but somebody was like, "Hey, look for this specific guy." So I'm asking around, like, he's right there. And I was like, hey, man, like I got an eight-year-old niece. She's a big fan. Can we get a picture? And he was the biggest asshole, biggest asshole. And, dude, they had to walk, like, from the hotel lobby elevator to, the, to their car in the front, which is, like, a block from the stadium. It couldn't have been more than, like, a 10-second walk. And there was a group of kids there that were just down there with their pens and their jerseys waiting. And he, like, couldn't give a shit. Didn't make eye contact. Was, like, sat in order. And I was like, dude, like, how hard is your life? Like, you, like these kids are going to remember this forever. And you can't even like give them a smile, like where you're about to go play a game and get paid how many millions of dollars. I just thought it was the craziest thing. And it was so foreign because I'm used to seeing the way you guys handle that. And it was like not even the same playing field. It was like a different species. It was crazy. 
Yeah, that's sad. That's like, yeah, when you think you're too, too, uh, I get, I get it, like if he had somewhere to go or whatever, but you got, you got, you got young kids that are fans and you're going to be that. It's not inspiring to anybody that's, you're playing, you know, it's, yeah, that's sad to hear. You hate, you hate the stuff like that, especially, you know, I remember Matt, Sarah saying that he, he doesn't want to meet a lot of his, like uh, like the, the actors that he likes or comedians and stuff. He he has a he has a tough time when he meets him because God forbid, you know, a show that he loves, he meets the star actor. You know, and I think I think we might have been talking about like uh, uh, King of Queens or something. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. James, and he was like, oh, God forbid, Kevin James is not you know like if he's if he's a if he's a prick. It's gonna ruin it the whole show for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's hard. Thankfully, Kevin James is the coolest guy in the world, done a bunch of training down at the gym. But like a situation like that, where there's a guy that you love like watching his show, and then God forbid, like imagine you're a fan a, a, a Chicago Bears fan, and then you go to get this guy's autograph and he's like a and he's like a, an idiot. How can you root for that team anymore? I yeah. mean, I'd be like, yo, you know. So yeah, it's definitely that's there's uh, there's a lot to that, but I, I'm definitely I appreciate it all. It doesn't happen doesn't happen like I said too often, but when it does, it's it's flattering and it's pretty cool. So speaking of trolls and fans, leading into the return of the Call Me Out podcast, I'm very excited to have it back. By far the best theme music opening song ever. Like, like you said, every time I hear it, like, I remember you guys started a couple of times and it was like, should we play the song? And as soon as it comes on, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's, it always changes my mood. But what made you bring it back? Because I know it kind of took a hiatus for a while and now it's been reinvented and brought back with the Raging Owl Forgery fake account that until two weeks ago, I still wasn't 100% sure if it was you or not, which you know, obviously it's not. But uh, yeah, talk a little bit about that, man, because I'm really enjoying that it's coming back in the last few episodes, especially this last one with Mike Mav. I thought it was outstanding. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a process where we're getting it down. The first the first uh, one was a little rickety, and the second one, all the way from Georgia. Yeah. We kind of pull that thing together. Um, but I think it's coming along. And I, so I, I always thought it was good. I always, uh, a good idea. I always thought it was a good idea. It was something that I, I could be good at is, is hosting a podcast. And I had an idea, like a, uh, kind of like a, a, an idea in my head of what I wanted it to be like. And I think now it just kind of came together with, with Aaron Weinbaum, um, we were, we were, I was watching the, the viral video of Joe Schilling knocking that guy in the bar out. And I was like, I would love to interview that guy that got knocked out, like, or have him call in. And, and he's definitely a kind of guy that would probably talk like a tough guy and analyze fighters and criticize them. And he's that kind of guy. So I'd love to just like figure out why he is the way he is. Like, how did he get there? I think, I think, people would sympathize with a person like that and understand that sympathize, but understand why it's like, you almost feel bad for a guy like that. You know what I mean? Like a guy has no idea what the heck he's getting himself into in, in that bar messing with a guy like Joe Schilling. It's like, you know, and it's, it's kind of like life. You don't know who you're messing with ever. So you can't act like that, but unless you're, unless you're down and just get knocked out. I mean, unless you're really, 
hair. And that would be an entertaining interview in itself. It was this guy was just like, yeah, I knew that was Joe Schilling. I didn't care. I'm whatever. But that was kind of like the thing I tweeted. I was like, I would love to interview that guy on my podcast. I don't even have a podcast. And then Aaron, we kind of talked about it and we were like, you know what? We should give it a shot. And I don't have, uh, this week we're setting up, I think, microphones and some, a little studio, but I just wanted to get it started. You know what I mean? Just get it going. Sound equipped. The sound is a little, it's not, the, the sound isn't the best. The video isn't the best. I'm doing it on my phone, but it's calling me out. You can call in and you can talk, talk some fighting, talk some real estate, talk some life, talk some trash. It's all, it's all good. We're just having a party and um, we've had some pretty cool guests so far. So we're going to have to have you on. Absolutely. Yeah, anytime, I mean, man. I appreciate, I, I, I'm very appreciative that you're, uh, you're tuning in. Tuning in. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I always try and support anything you guys do. And, uh, and again, I, I like the other one. So when it came back, I was excited, but I, I didn't know what to expect. And I saw that like the, the initial thing was like, all these dudes that are talking shit online, like you're going to call live and we're going to talk. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> how's this going to go? But uh, so I wanted to be on for like either way to be like, all right, like if he needs like a voice of reason or just somebody to like, just to, to keep it positive for whoever's talking shit on the, on the comments. And I, I won't give any attention to the, to the guy that was calling in, but uh, I thought it was awesome to watch this one idiot that finally got through. It's almost like what you were saying before of like the guy who shit talks you online and then he sees you somewhere and goes, dude, I'm a big fan. Can I get a picture? You know, like I thought this guy was going to go on and have something. He froze. He almost like just started watching MMA like six months ago or some bullshit, you know? And then, and then like in the middle of it, you were still like, man, like, I, I just feel like I want to help you. What can I do? And he's like, man, I just want you to be my friend. And I was like, oh, you know, like, all that hate and all that everything, like the guy's such an idiot. But at the end of the day, it's like you're saying, it's like it's like a cry for help, and it, it almost makes you like the idiot with fucking Joe Schelling. It almost makes you be like, all right, well, there's a little more to this guy. I'm like, yes, he's an idiot, but you know. So on top of that, though, what I thought was the the best was the amount of people that you took after that that were like your fans, and they were so excited. Like that one guy, uh, I think he goes by like Bend Over, and he was like, holy shit, I'm on. And like that was awesome. Like there there was so much. Uh, so many like pro Al guys on there and so many positive guys and they were jumping all over all the negative. Like you definitely got a lot, a lot of love on there. And I thought the energy when you're on that haps app, even though it had like a couple of like technical things, but you could still feel like the love in the comments and the energy when people called in and it was a different experience. I really liked listening to the mic one after on uh, on iTunes because I didn't have the distractions and I got to like listen to it, but it, it really is an experience being interactive in the middle of the podcast live not kind of know what was going to happen, especially when you're like in Georgia and had a couple of drinks. Like it was very different than any other podcast. And I, you know, I, I've never had an experience listening to a podcast like I did actually being live on that half sap. So like for that first couple. Oh, I mean, that means a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, I was Aaron found this app where people can call in and that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted the last time I did this podcast. And I don't think we really got, I don't think we really did what I wanted to do. I think we're, we're, we're knocking out the kinks with this haps thing and, and we're figuring it out. Um, the last week was the first week we actually made it live on time. The rest of it is <laughs> trying to figure out how to get on, but we are, uh, yeah, we're, we got the ball rolling. And like I said, I didn't wait for it to be the perfect 
timing with my, you know, having a studio set up and this and that. I just freaking said, let's do it. If we're 40 minutes late, we're 40 minutes late. We're just going to push through it, whatever it is. We got Ariel Hawani on the first one. Um, Al Jermaine Sterling was on the, was on the second one. And then Mike Kiesa joined for uh, this past week. And, and Mike's a guy that I go back way back with to the ultimate fighter and uh, just an inspi- inspiring guy that um, that's turned a fighting career into now he's on ESPN. He's an analyst. He's, uh, got his own podcast with the UFC with Paul Felder and he's just he's everywhere number five ranked guy in the world so to be able to talk and reminisce with a guy like that about some great times and then some looking in, into the future uh, to see where where he's headed it was uh, it was it was a real good conversation ever wanted to play the drums or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. That's awesome. Now, it, it, it showed in there. You could tell that you guys had a lot of mutual respect. And I didn't know that. That's awesome that you actually, uh, you're responsible for getting his wife and his family into real estate, which is nice. In turn, you are responsible, my friend. <laughs> right? Isn't that, it's crazy how that works. I got, I mean, it was, it was really like Uriah Faber kind of like planted the seed in my head when I was on the Ultimate Fighter. And then, um, I, I ended up getting hurt, got my license, told you about it. And you're like, oh, dude, I never knew what you did, really. I was like, oh, <laughs> Knuckles, he's just, you know, he's always doing something, but he's always training. And and then I, I told you that I was getting my real estate license. And you're like, oh, well, I'm teaching a seminar next week in, in New York City. Why don't you come? And I was like, all right. And then we went to California and you taught, taught, taught there. And I learned so much about, um, you know, investing in real estate in, in investing in, in uh flipping houses rental properties um really just just that was like my first introduction into how you can how how you can make money if you're good at what you do and you're able to kind of see past houses that need a lot of work and kind of visualize what it can what it can be and pulling up comps in the area, just that, that whole process of, of buying, fixing up, selling. And, uh, you know, that, that was my introduction to that. And then I got my license and do found my niche with, with investing in single family properties. And, uh, then, yeah, I saw Mike and I told him about it and his, his wife's doing it. So yeah, it's, it's been a journey and I can't thank you enough for, for, being one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest players in that in that whole thing. 
I appreciate that, man. All I did was show you the door. You did everything, man. So I can't tell you how many people have contacted me and said, hey, I'm interested in learning. And I go, oh, you know, my buddy's teaching this or come see me here or come. Nobody ever shows up, man. So you showed up and you did something with it. I remember even that like the first couple of weeks, I think you guys had a property under contract in like Sacramento or something like that. Like you went out and started doing it right away, man. It's that that's that's what it takes, you know, with anything is just jumping out there and taking action. So you you're earning everything you did, man. All I do is point to a door and you went through it and did everything else. Uh, absolutely. I appreciate it. For sure. The, but the thing with like, so Uriah Faber, I read his book and your method of what you were doing with like almost a version of house hack and have people in there and paying the stuff down and then buying another one. And, you know, I've heard his story about how he kind of did that with the gym and the fighters. And it's interesting because your model is a lot like his. And what I've learned over watching what's happened with just the market in the last year and a half with COVID thinking things were going to go down and they actually went up. It really is amazing because as much as like I struggle sometimes with like, am I going to make money on this deal? What's the risk? If you really look at what you're specifically doing, even if it dips down for a couple of years, five, 10, 15 years from now, it's going to come up again. Like that's, I, I mean, I watch people sell properties when things are on the bottom on the last turn. And if they would have held them today, like anything I got rid of then thinking like, oh, things are going to tank would have been worth three times what it was then. So you know, it's just really, I can't think of anything better that even if you buy it at the wrong time, it's still eventually going to make you money as long as you can wait it out. So um, talk a little bit about what you're doing right now. What, Cause I think you're on what your, your, your third house now. Third. Yep. Two, two, uh, two really just strict investment properties. My, the original house that I, uh, that I bought, um, I I moved here and then I turned that one into a, a rental and that's, it's been doing really well. Um, kind of like a niche market where um, I look for, for single family houses that can be, that are unique, that, that have a unique quality that I think that can, you know, whether it be Airbnb, a, a portion of it, do a long-term rental and, and a portion of it. Uh, I, I'm a big garage guy. <laughs> the, a garage, two car, two and a half car, three garage. The first house that I bought, I, uh, oh, my, the only thing I wanted, I told my friend, his mother was my real estate agent. And, uh, I told her, I said, I just want a, a house with a, a, a big garage that I can turn into a gym and I can use that for training. And the first house she took me to was a house that had a, it was like two and a half car detached garage. And it had this guy, he, it was his gym, like a weightlifting gym. He had weights in there and everything. And it had a full bathroom in the garage, detached. So I turned that into my gym and then eventually uh, moved, bought another house, moved into that house, brought the gym with me. And I turned that into uh, the garage is, is a rental. And it's basically like a one bedroom house. Um, so I rent that out. Uh, then I rent the house out separately. And uh and it's just, it's, it's, it's been working out really well for me. I mean, people, people look for, you know, like one bedroom apartments, one, uh, you know, something studio apartments, but this is, then you're kind of on top of each other and or next to each other, whatever. This is totally separate. It's, it's a one bedroom, basically one bedroom house that he has all to himself. And, and I don't have to, you know, I can charge basically what a one bedroom apartment would be but he just loves it i don't think he's any he's going anywhere fast um and then and then bought another 
so I, I saw that and I was like, man, I could turn all these garages into, into houses, but it's not this, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, the, I don't know if it's something that you're really supposed to do. <laughs> so I, so I bought another, I bought another house that's, uh, it's got a three car garage and I rent out the top Airbnb and then the, uh, it's a two, two bedroom. It's a, you know, multifamily house. The top is a two bedroom one bathroom apartment. The bottom's a two bedroom, one bathroom apartment. The main floor I rent out uh, month to month. And then the upstairs I do Airbnb, but the garage, the best tenants in the world are in the garage. They have three brand new Corvettes that I, that I rent out the garage to, uh, to um, the Corvette club here on Long Island. They rent Hi. out. These guys just have cars. They have cars that they don't know what to do with. And they got to keep them stored somewhere safe and, and nice. So I rent out, uh, I rent out the garage. There's three beautiful Corvettes sitting in this garage and they're, they're paying me monthly to, to use the spot. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty good. They come in the summer, maybe a couple of times here and there to take them out to go to shows. But other than that, they're just sitting in there. And every month, every month I get the, I get the notification that my account has been, uh, my, my account has been paid. So it's cool. Nice, man. So are you buying single family homes and then converting them into two family? Are you buying things that already are kind of set up for two or three family and then just fixing up the garages? Uh, either one, really, if it's, if it has potential to really just running the numbers and seeing if it has potential to, to make money. Um, usually the, the illegal two family, the taxes, are a lot higher and sometimes it doesn't make sense but if it does that's the way to go you know it's it's uh and and then you know the the renting out the garage thing i think that's a great a great little niche is that if if, if it's very rare i found a house that has a three-car garage i mean it's that's huge and kind of un, unnecessary around here but uh especially with a house with a lower price point if it's like a a $2 million house, then, you know, they got cars and they want to, but if it's, you know, in a lower price point, some, something that can rent, can be rented out for profit to, to have a three car garage is pretty rare. And I think that those, those are the kind of, kind of the houses that I look for something that's, that's rare, that's fun, that, that has a story. The guy, the guy in the past, he was uh, the, the pet, the previous owner, he owned a limousine company and there's a little notch out in the back of the garage where he just like knocked part of it down, notched out a little thing so that the, the limousine would fit all the way through. And it's a cool, it's a cool little uh, closet that he built. It's, I mean, that, that now it's used as a closet, but he, it was a, a notch out just for the front of the limousine. So it's, it's a pretty long garage and, and the, the, he had, you know, for two limousines and then one of the, like the Lincoln town cars. But he had, uh, yeah, it was a limousine company. He was an old school guy. There was all like old guns and stuff in the in that like uh, gun cases and gun racks. He was like he's an old school old school guy. And I, I went in and just very minimal work, new rugs, new paint, um, and it looks brand new. Um, and it's providing great, great living quarters for for the tenants my a friend of mine's renting the downstairs 
and uh, now I'm doing the Airbnb upstairs, and it's just it's it's been working really well. Nice man, and you know the the nice part, Long Island market's always going to be a good market because it's so close to the city. You got the beach, you got Manhattan, you got all these different things. How much uh, emphasis are you putting on? where they are. Like if you, do you have certain parameters? Like I don't want to be in this town or I don't want this type of school district or are you just going basically off of the cash flow and figuring out if it's something that can make you money? I've been looking. So I made the mistake that you, you always say, just go somewhere else that you, you know, if you start doing work on, you know, if you start managing it by yourself, you're going to have to you know, figure out how to not manage it. So I'm basically like managing them all myself. <laughs> takes a lot of time and I have to kind of like figure out how to get, you know, get, get out of that, um, that, that cycle. But uh, yeah, I've been just looking kind of close to my house. That's what I know. That's the market I know the best. Um, and it, it's, it's a really good market because it's close to the beach. It's close to this, the train station for the city people that want to get hop on the train and go to the city people that um, in the summer, they go to these concerts at uh, Jones beach, or it is also like right in the center of a bunch of hospitals. And um, we were talking before about how the, uh, the doctors and the nurses are really like the best tenants. They, they, uh, they take care of the place. They're quiet. It, they work hard they come home they sleep they might study a little bit but that's that's about it so um for a while during covid there were a lot of uh doctors and nurses using the uh using the airbnb rentals to to um to stay e even after covid but but during covid a lot of doctors i guess there was a lot of traveling doctors people were going to different places depending on where the hot spots were and everything so those were like the best, those were the best tenants. And uh, there was uh, there's a, fa a Facebook, usually I've discovered over through, through doing this enough and talking to enough of the doctors that there's, there's a Facebook group pretty much for every hospital. And, and uh, when a resident doctor is coming in, they'll post that they need, they're looking for a rental or you can even, I can post on it. You know, I asked them to join their, their I, I, post that I have a one bedroom, I have a two bedroom apartment and it puts it right in front of their eyes. And I think those, those are the best, those are the tenants you want. No, I think that that's awesome. We were saying it earlier too, like from the very first real estate class I ever took, I remember them being like, find a place that's close to a hospital and try and get as many doctors and nurses or, or like pre-med students as you can in there. Cause they're always going to, them in military are usually going to be great tenants. So uh, when you said it, it reminded me of it, of like, oh yeah, that was like one of those like cardinal rules of like, you'll do good if you do these things. But Airbnb is something I don't know a ton about. How did you figure out like what to charge or like, how do you comp out what it is nightly or what the occupancy rate or the demand are? Because I'm blown away sometimes by some of the areas that somebody's like, I have an Airbnb. And I'm like, why the hell would somebody Airbnb there? And they're booked up for like a year. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you, when you think of Airbnb, you think of like, vacation destinations but um yeah i mean on Lo even long island in the winter there's there's people coming in they everyone needs a place to stay if they're visiting family and they don't want to uh you know they don't want to stay with the family but they want to stay close by or if they're uh they're going to travel into the city during christmas time they want to stay out on long island they don't want to be in the in the in the midst of everything they got family out here whatever whatever the reason is there's always, there's always people looking on Airbnb and yeah, you just kind of, 
I comped out, look, look on air, you look on Airbnb and you see what someone's charging. Oh, this place, you know, not too far away is charging this. You look at their occupancy, uh, you know, what for right now we're in August, you'll see how much they're booked up in August already. And if they're pretty booked already, you kind of know they're priced pretty, pretty reasonably, pretty well. So you can kind of go off that. And then it's just kind of like trial and error. You mess around. I've been doing it for so long now. I've been doing it for maybe like, even when I was living in one of the houses, I had a room that was kind of off. Uh, it had its own entrance and, and, and I was Airbnb and that just as a little side, side income. Um, so I've been doing it for a little while. It's like trial and error. You, you kind of figure it out. You figure out what the guests want, what the guests needs. It's kind of like your little, your own little hotel, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You get to meet a lot of different people when I check them in, um, even through conversing with them over, over time, you get to really meet people. And, and, uh, I got some, some friends that they become friends, you know, so how they, they, uh, the other good thing is a lot of them, they'll, they'll be looking, they'll be kind of apartment surfing and then they're looking for a house and I've, I've sold some of them houses. So it's the, the Airbnbs in the area, uh, people that aren't, that don't have like a solid, uh, living situation. They're eventually going to settle down somewhere. And, and a lot of them, you know, it's a great, great way to meet people that are looking for houses. I love that, man. I think that that's so smart. It's like similar when I, when I'm calling people now to buy their houses and you're like, no, 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 I'm just going to list it. I already got a buyer. I'm like, man, like, looks like you're going to turn a good profit on that. I can see what you bought it for. I can see what you're selling it for. And you're like, yeah, I'm like, all right, well, what are you going to do with that money? Like, I don't know. We haven't really thought about it. I'm like, well, you should probably reinvest. Or you're going to get nailed on taxes. You know, I could find you something. And like, I, I'm trying to like, you're not going to sell me your house. At least maybe I can get you to give me the money you're making off of it to reinvest. So I like that you're looking to work both angles there. That's perfect. Yeah, that's what a great idea that is. Yeah, that's what it's. I mean, you kind of like double dipping, you know, not just you're not just getting the you're not just getting the rental from the Airbnb, but now you can parlay it into something else. And usually that's I mean, that's how it works. They see that I'm running a good, good little business with the Airbnb. That place is clean. They uh, they have everything they need. I'm responsive if they if they contact me, they're probably going to feel comfortable using me to to find them a house. So. And, you know, I'm sure it's, it's the same way with you. They see that they see how you do business. They see that you're, you know, you're on top of everything. And if you're on top of one thing, why wouldn't you be on top of anything else? So they feel comfortable, you know, putting, putting their money into an investment property with you. Do they know who you are or have, have you had any like nightmare stories or is it a little different because they all know that you can kick their ass? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, you know, some a few people have been like oh you're the is this your house and i play off no nah, i'm just the manager i just manage it you know it's not my house i just kind of like i oversee it kind of thing but uh yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool when that happens i mean everyone everyone's aside from freaking steven the last this last guy everyone's been real good the guy goes he go. It was the thirty first. That was what uh, Saturday. He was supposed to check out on the thirty first. Stephen, guy has. He was in there for a month. He was. He checked in on the first. He's booked up until the thirty first. So I have somebody moving in on the first. On on the thirty first. Excuse me. So he he checks out the thirty first in the morning. 
and then the next guy's coming in. So I go over there to kind of make sure it's it's looking good. I go over there, and his stuff is still there. He was supposed to be out at 11. It's like 12. It's like, so I call him, no answer. Call him again, no answer. Call him. And finally, he texts me back something that doesn't even make sense. I was like, is this guy freaking drunk or what? Sure enough, again, touch with him. He's in Fire Island. He's hammered. And he's like, oh, no. I checked. I, I, I made the, uh, I booked it until the 31st. That means I get the 31st and I, I get to check out. I'm going to check out tomorrow. I go, bro, that's not how it works. I go, the last day is the day you're checking out. Have you ever stayed in a hotel? Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I go, bro, how and this is like a this is like a grown man. This is like he's you know what I mean? He's I don't know, he's maybe like 50 years old, something. I go, well, are you kidding? He goes, Well, I can't move out now. I'm hammered and I'm in Fire Island, so I'm gonna have to move out tomorrow. I was like, dude, you are the worst person ever. So that's the kind of thing that you every now and then there's a little hiccup. But I called Airbnb and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be charging him a hefty fee for that extra day that he wasn't supposed to be there. So it kind of all works out. Um, he was out the next day, so he stayed an extra day. And I think financially, I'm gonna do all right. I feel bad for the guy that came, um, but fortunately, we were made we were able to make some other arrangements for him, so he was able to check in a day later. But um, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you deal with a little bit of, it doesn't always go smooth, smooth, but I've been doing it for like six or seven years now. And that's been like one of the, one of the weirdest things to happen. The guy doesn't understand the checkout day. Like, you <laughs> me? You check in the hotel. The, if you're, if you stay in the hotel from the first to the 31st, the 31st, you're out of there, dude. What are you kidding me? What is this? I don't know. I feel like he was trying to pull a fast one on me. I don't even. I don't even know. I think he might have just had nothing to say. Yeah. Uh, crazy. Nice. Crazy. So, so it was a long-term plan still uh, get get a portfolio and live off the cash flow. Or are you trying to pay them down? Because like obviously the cool thing is not only are you having somebody pay all of your debt down, but you're also building the natural appreciation plus the force appreciation from the paydowns. So even on just three houses in Long Island, that's going to be a nice retirement plan one day. Are you planning to refinance that money out or is the plan to just have them free and clear and just to kind of live off of the rent and do whatever you want? I would. I mean, I'd, I'd rather pay them down. You know what I mean? Pay them down. And then 30 years from now, they're free and clear and all that money is income. But if an opportunity presents itself where I need the money and I can refinance it and I got a good check, chunk of equity that I could take that money out. I'd rather I'd rather be buying houses with my own cash, you know, that I'm that I'm saving up from, uh, you know, what my my other, the other things that I'm doing or or the the rental income, save up that rental income and parlay it into another property. But it's you know it's uh, kind of like a puzzle. You got to make all the pieces fit, and whichever way, you know, it's 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 whatever. It's always an investment. You gotta you gotta. Uh, you got to know what you're talking about, know the right way to do things. And then you're kind of like rolling the dice in some ways. You don't know how the market's going to be. You don't know how everything's going to go. So, I mean, I think I have, I have as good of a, of a grasp on this market as possible. So if I find, if there is a good property and refinancing and, and doing it that way, I think I'd rather not, if I have the money, I'd rather go that way. But um, yeah, it's kind of just like, just like everything else, I'm winging it. I'm kind of, I have a, I have a plan. Don't, I don't want to make it seem like I don't have a plan. 
I do have a plan, but I'm kind of like also uh, seeing what pops up and, and if, if a good property, I'm always, I'm always online looking at properties and seeing um, a lot of my friends now or they've seen what I've done and uh, they're trying to kind of do the same thing. So I find these properties and I'm, I'm get, get giving them to them, um, make a little commission on it, but uh, setting, them, setting them up to where they can live in a house for free, house hacking, up, you know, renting out an upstairs apartment, living in the main floor, and then maybe a little apartment downstairs. Those are like the, the best houses for people that are trying to do this kind of thing. So I, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I find these houses and if it's something that really makes sense, I'll take it. If it's something that uh, really makes sense for somebody else at the time, if I don't have the money to do it, if I want to partner with somebody, you know, it, there's a million ways to do it. And I think the, the real, the real, um, the real skill is just finding the house and getting it for a number that makes sense. And then once you can do that, then everything else will fall into place. I agree, Matt. It's it's all math. And I think, like you said, it's not necessarily a bad thing to take it case by case because you just don't know what's going to happen with the market with all like, I think they just lifted the eviction forbearance and all that kind of stuff. And who knows what happened with interest rates? You know, refinancing right now is a good idea because things are so cheap. But like if interest rates go up to seven or 8% and you're already locked in at two, three or four, you know, it's like, what's the point? So you, you do have to analyze it a little bit, but dude, I think, um, I know I, I touched on it a little bit, but I think sub two is going to be a huge thing, especially out by you because it's big everywhere, but especially where a market that taxes are higher for some of these owners and the, the mortgage payments can be pretty hefty, two or three or four months behind can make all the difference. There's going to be a huge opportunity for you to be able to take over some of these things when the pre-foreclosures start to happen. I think you can really get, I think in, the, I think in our last conversation, you, like your goal was 10 rentals. Like I'm looking to try and pick up another 10 in the next three months here. Like I'm just, I'm trying to really ramp that up. I think that's a huge strategy. Definitely. We can try and figure a way out to partner up on it out there, but I think it's going to be a great opportunity for you out there on Long Island, man. hundred percent, a hundred percent. I, any, uh, any, any, any kind of partnership could do I'm in, man. I mean, that, that would be, that would be incredible to, to work with you in any capacity in this, in this market out here. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out. I have, I have a couple of ideas. I just got to sit down and kind of pen it out. But, uh, you know, I know, you, I know you got other stuff you got to do, so I don't want to take up your whole day, but you should definitely, uh, Airbnb, I was thinking about, it. I actually just got a text from James Krause. I'm supposed to call him after this. He's like the number one, uh, 10 person and up Airbnb guy in Missouri. Like he's got his niche specifically for Airbnb. And yeah. like, I, I thought it was interesting. Cause I was like, man, it's another thing. Like I would have thought like, well, how many people are going with like 10 of their boys to go rent a whole house for a month in the middle of Missouri? A apparently a lot, you know? So it's just interesting, man. It's, it's, a, it's an exciting time to be a, to be a real estate investor, but you know, parlaying off of your podcast, I know I heard you saying yesterday, you did your first commentating with ring of combat and it was something you want to do a little more of. And you were asking uh, Mike for, for tips on it. You know, I think with your knowledge of the sport and you being a coach, not only for, you know, athletes or guys just want to get in shape, but I've seen you coaching kids, which you have to be super patient, super detailed. And then you throw in the interviewing, like the, the interview and the questions and the style and the way that you went back and forth with Mike on that last one, I thought was one of the most professional interviews I've, I've heard you do. And it was like two and a half hours and it went by like that, man. I think commentating is a great, place for you and i would love to see you behind the desk at ufc but what's kind of your what's 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 in the near future and far future for our for raging al uh in and out of the cage 
Uh, in the cage, I don't know. We're, we're, we're getting in shape where, uh, you know, I, I had been battling a bunch of injuries. So I'm getting up there. I don't know. We'll see if the right fight comes along. You know what I mean? We'll see what happens there. Uh, I've just been, uh, yeah, the, the, the commentating thing, the ring combat, I've, I've really been enjoying doing that. I did an amateur show. I have no, you know, no problem hopping in there and doing an amateur show. It was 29 fights long. Oh. And those are some hard fights to call because you don't know the people. You don't really know the background. Some of them don't have much of a background. Some of the fights are a little all over the place. Um, definitely a wide get, range in, in uh, you know, ability and skill level. But I think we saw some really, really skilled fighters that are going to make it to the UFC. And I think I called a few future UFC fighters and even contenders and champions in that 29 fight. So I got a lot of practice. And I got a lot of uh, I just a lot of knowledge on on how to uh, how to describe what's going on when sometimes I don't even know what's going on. You know, there's just some some positions and moves where there's not really too much to too much to go by. But uh, I had a great first first outing with them, learned a lot. And then I, I commentated the professional ring combat uh, this the, maybe it was like two weeks ago. In, uh, in Atlantic City. And uh, the ring combat has produced over 100 fighters that have made it to the UFC. And Lou Negley always says, it's not that they just made it to the UFC. They've been successful in the UFC. Chris Weidman, uh, Frankie Edgar, um, Eddie Alvarez, all, Edson Barbosa, um, myself, Aljamain Sterling, just a couple, of, uh, a couple of guys that have fought in the ring combat and gone on to be successful in the UFC. So I think I called some fights that there's some guys that you're going to see in the UFC. And I just, I did, did my best to do them justice because they have a tremendous amount of skill and I wanted to, uh, but I wanted, wanted to just let everyone know that what they're watching is, is something that is uh, one of a kind. There's these guys have put in uh, a lot of work, a lot of hours and training and, uh, it would be a disservice to them if someone called their fights irresponsibly. So I think I just really wanted to be a part of it and, and portray the hard work and their skill through, uh, through words and, and have, have people just appreciate even more what they were witnessing. A lot of people, they watch fights and they don't really understand. So I think understanding is it will, it will bring people um to to really appreciate what's going on and become true fans not just a fan of you know everyone can drink beer and say <laughs> kill them kill them but if you're you know if you're uh really in tune with what's going on you really appreciate the, some of these guys where they might not be so flashy but um they their skill level is incredible uh i mean james gonzalez uh ring of combat now ring of combat champion went out there and he fought Jeff Lentz and Jeff Lentz is a guy that's been around forever. He's been, he's been, uh, he was on the ultimate fighter season 12. He's, he's fought everybody. He's, he's just been around New Jersey, uh, East coast guy. And James Gonzalez went out there and put on just a dominating performance and it was a unanimous decision win. But I think 
you know, f- to see the little details in his jujitsu of, of things that he did in controlling, getting getting Jeff to the mat, the way he uh, entered into his his takedowns and got him to the mat, and then from a dominant position was able to uh, move from semi-dominant to dominant to super dominant to me being on the sidelines getting claustrophobic watching <laughs> watching James Gonzalez on top of this guy like just just controlling everything it's uh it's it's a sight for me to behold and I hope that um I was able to kind of like maybe one or two people listening uh became became uh more fans of, of jiu-jitsu and more fans of James's style of jiu-jitsu I, I mean, I'm sure everybody did, but if if I could help out a little bit, that was cool. No, I think it makes all the difference. He, he's got outstanding jiu-jitsu, so congrats to him for sure. But I, I agree. I think even after taking like a few basic jiu-jitsu classes and then going and watching MMA, it really just opens up a whole new appreciation. And I think the more that people can get away from that old, like I watch fights with my dad and my dad's like two guys humping each other on the floor you know, when you get past that and it's like, no, like actually this is what the, and you, you explain to them of what's going on. I think it really does make people appreciate it more. And I think it's going to help legitimize the sport and make more fans of not only the guy, cause a good com. I'm always liking guys better when you hear them do good with commentating as well. Like, okay, that's awesome. Like uh, so that, that's a skill in itself that I think is outstanding. And uh, last, but certainly not least, I did hear you bring up the Diego Sanchez fight uh, on Chris Wyman's podcast, which was awesome as well. But dude, uh, when, uh, when we were out there, I remember you were like, dude, one day Ray Longo is going to write a book about this camp. You're like, I'm not going to say much, but I'm going to tell you that I got away with murder tonight. And then we ordered like 19 Long Island iced teas because everything was like last call the second we got out of there. And now like the stories are starting to come out about that. But I remember that night. That, that was crazy, man, coming in and just trying. Then we were just trying to find like a place to go drink after. And that was my first time out in uh, Nashville, actually. But uh, I thought it was cool that that started to come out a little bit because I remember hiring those guys. I walk in the gym, I'd be like, where's that? Like, I think he's swimming or something. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was a wild, wild ride, man. That was a crazy, crazy, um, crazy story. I mean, I trained my ass off for that fight, but in a way that you wouldn't really expect. I was definitely not training the, the way a traditional fighter would train for a fight on that level. Um, but I was in sick shape. I I it was like swimming every day. I was doing a lot of visualization. I was, and it was due to, you know, I had a knee surgery prior to that and the knee just really wasn't cooperating. It was, it was, uh, man, it was crazy. But um, no, what a great time we had in Nashville. Nashville was sick. That was what a great, what a great um, city. It's, uh, and, and that's the other thing. I mean, I, I probably would have never ended up in Nashville, but with the fight being there, it fighting just opens up it's such a great great thing great thing opened up the whole world to me so that was it was uh it was a wild ride but i'm glad that it all happened the way it did that was great man i had a great time that night just seeing that city and stuff i was out there with bo and had some good food got you the w out there it was good stuff and then i remember even actually in milwaukee that was amazing afterwards like the i guess it was fox or, or whoever like had that, that nice dinner after the Kevin Lee fight, but I remember we were walking back to the hotel and uh, Keith Peterson runs by me and Doc. And we, he was like, ah, oh, you know, kind of just walking around the streets. And we stopped and talked to him for a minute. And we were like, 
what the hell did Al yell? Because you couldn't tell at first. We just saw you like yelling at Kevin Lee's face. And he was like, dude, same Al. That was awesome. He was like, that was like one of the best in cage moments ever. So it was funny because, so it kind of leads me to my last question here is, the the Al Forgery account was like one of the most famous parody Twitter accounts. The Keith Peterson accounts are kind of taken over now as like one of the most popular ones. Are you behind those ones as well? What's up? Well, I'm not really behind any of them. <laughs> but uh, I, you know what? You got to I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Aaron. It might be. It could be. I don't want to behind the behind them. If it's a good parody account. It is. It I always, is. I always, I always suspect it's him. Man, what a smart, what an intelligent. I, I, I am so honored when people think that it's actually me that <laughs> doing that account because the guy is head and shoulders smarter than me as far as creating these, uh, you know, these witty, quick comebacks like that pertaining to real estate and. Uh, yeah, when, when when someone uh, Demetrius Johnson, we we were at a uh, we were at a uh, uh, like a training thing in Vegas one time, and he came up to me, and it was kind of uh, I guess the tweet was was kind of um, mocking Demetrius Johnson, but in a hysterical way, something about real estate. I forget what the comment was. But he was like, he was like, dude, you kind of joking around. He was like, dude, you kind of burned me on this comment. I was like, bro, that's hysterical. One and two, I'm thank you, but it's not me. I would, I, I appreciate you think that I, you know, thought of that, but that I don't know who that is. At the time, I didn't really think I, I don't know if I even knew, but I was like, this guy is a genius. Ariel thought it was me for forever. <laughs> funny man, it's funny stuff. But yeah, I, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I can't, uh, I, it would only happen to me. That's something that would just happen to me. I attract like this kind of weird energy where some guy like creates a real estate, uh, parody account and it's absolutely hysterical, but yeah, no, it's that guy. He's a genius. I, I wonder, I'm going to, I got to ask him. Yeah, it, ask him it's him. a good one, dude. It, it, I mean, Dominic Cruz takes a beating on it, but it's, it's funny, dude. It's oh, funny. man. Cruz, yeah, he must. He must. There's a couple good ones. There's one for uh, Ray Longo's tan that just came out. There's another one for uh, Brian Ortega's cup. You know, like this. There's a few funny ones out there. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, the internet is an incredible place. A great, if you're going to waste your time anywhere, it's a great place to waste it because you get, you get a ton of entertainment out of it. Yeah, I, I actually took away from your, from the last time we talked, I deleted a lot of the apps from my phone. I, I, I still wind up kind of going on like the browser from time to time, but it's definitely like, I always think of you when the first thing I do is like reach my phone and I'm like, I'm wasting like the first hour of the morning on Twitter. What the hell am I doing? So I really try and like make a conscious effort not to do that. So credit to you for helping me get some of my time back. And uh, you've been awesome with yours, man. So I appreciate it. I know I went a little bit over today, but it was good catching up with you. Any, any final thoughts before we let Rage and Al go today? Uh, that's it, man. I think we hit it all. It's been, uh, it's always good. It's always the A game. A game, baby. Always good. Just talking to you gets me inspired. I listen to the podcast religiously and I get oh, inspired, thanks, man. inspired by the, the people that you have on. 
and uh, I got to listen to it was Brian Callen was on. Callen, right? yeah, yeah, who debunked the whole A game thing. So I have to change the fucking name now. <laughs> oh, forget him. I got. <laughs> I, I I've been meaning to listen. I gotta. I gotta check it out. That's uh, it's tremendous. So he, he's gonna come down and train at. Uh, he said he's gonna train at, at Law and at Sarah's when he comes down. And then I talked to Longo about it. We'll go out and we'll go see him when he plays in New York. So you, we definitely got to get you in on that. And I know he said he wants to have you on Rough House Friday too. So I got to link you guys up. Oh, 100%. Let's do it. Cool, man. So how, how do people find you? Uh, fighting wise, commentary, real estate, social media, all, all things out. How do they connect with you? At Al Iaquinta on everything Instagram and Twitter. At Al Iaquinta. You can hit me up if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent anywhere. <laughs> continental united states of america serious inquiries only you know where to find me i love it man will you bring your a game thank you once again raging ally quick ladies and gentlemen <laughs>